Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good day, sir. Let's start with this new poll just came out, BC Politics. We're in an election year here. We got an election in October, and the former BC Liberal Party here, now the BC United Party, man, this poll is bad news for them. What's up there? This is brutal for BC United. So tonight, Kevin Falcon's going to unveil what he says is their rebrand campaign, their ad campaign. Uh, but it comes on the same day. So this morning, uh, Research Co., Mario Conseco's polling company, released a poll. Shows 41% of those who voted for B.C. Liberals in 2020 are not voting for them anymore. Uh, and they seem to have gone to the B.C. Conservatives. So 46% of decided voters would vote NDP. 26, 25% vote B.C. Conservatives. That's up six points from a, a poll a couple months ago. And just 17% would vote BC United, which is down three. So the momentum is showing the Conservatives are on the rise. United continues to be in the basement, just barely ahead of the Greens. The NDP sailing along despite all these controversies and bad marks when it comes to handling all the important issues. Uh, Yeah, this is brutal news for BC United. I wonder, already seven MLAs from that caucus have said they're not running or they're, they're going to federal politics, notably Ellis Ross. Uh, which is a big loss for BC United. And I have to wonder whether this will uh, further uh, increase that number. Maybe we haven't heard from a few MLAs, but we're going to see what Mike DeYoung does, veteran, the longest serving MLA in the House. I'd be surprised if he runs for BC United. He's either going to jump to federal, I bet, and run for, with Pierre Poliev or just get out of the game. Yeah, and, and of course, earlier we had two BC United MLAs bolted over to the BC Conservatives, yeah. including John Rustad, the party leader. Yeah, so, as well. and they seem to have the momentum, yeah. and BC United is not. Now, this ad campaign tonight, um, we'll see if, if that writes the ship. But, I mean, they're, they're 30 points behind the NDP, which is <laughs> they're almost in fringe party status, I hate to say. There was also, um, Richard Zussman posted a photo on Twitter uh, two days ago of a huge rally in the Peace River area, which is the heart of conservative, um, the conservative heartland. Big numbers for a BC conservative rally. I mean, yeah. that that threatens um, both both seats, Mike Bernie and Dan Davies. You know, the conservatives did well in one of the ridings in the last election, but that is a very conservative area of the province. And I would think I would not put money on them winning an election uh, in the, in when they used to win very comfortably for years up there. Yeah. But when you have a BC conservative party with a bit of um, fuel in its jets. Do you think it's... You think it's there's there's a couple of things going on. Do you think there's a bleed over from the poly, Pierre Pauliev effect federally here? Well, I, th- I think there's probably a, a bleed over uh, partly, but also it exposes. So the BC Liberals inherited the, the Social Credit Party, right. which is the coalition. Yeah, it's the anti NDP coalition, which puts Liberals and Conservatives together. And what's happened is the Conservative. It appears the Conservative part of that party has bolted to the Conservative Party. It never did, did that before. It stayed with the BC Liberals or with the BC. So I mean, the Conservative Party's been around, you know, for for decades. Yeah, it's never sure. played a role. Years. Never played a role since World War II. Right. Um, it was always there. So think, it was always there, but they were always that Liberal Party was always able to hold that coalition and together. And the Social Credit Party before it was right. able to hold that coalition together. Yeah, and, and but not now. The one. One exception was apparently going to be in 2013 when John Cummins was doing very well in the polls and it collapsed at election time. So Christy Clark was able to hold that vote. That's not happening right now. They have bolted and they appear to have been permanently uh, bolted. This is uh, this is not this is like the fifth or sixth poll now that has the United 
behind the Conservative Party. Yeah. Let's have a listen to Kevin Falcon here. I had him on the show and I asked him, does he regret that party name change here from B.C. Liberal to B.C. United? Here's what he said. Do I regret having that new name? Absolutely not. Because I actually think United is a really, really important message. Yes, it'll take time for the public to figure that out. Okay, so he's waiting for the public to figure it out here. So the clock is ticking. October uh, is the election month, unless Evie decides to pull the trigger a little early. Do you think that could happen, that Evie could go early here in the spring? Because I keep hearing this from people. Man, he should roll the dice right now. If you were to roll the dice today, and if these numbers were hold, we'd be looking at a 2001 election result. So in 2001, the Liberals won 77 seats, the NDP won two. Oh. And that's what we're looking at right now. Because even though the Conservatives are 25%, that doesn't get it done for them. No. I mean, they're going to win. Maybe they win the two-piece river seats. Yeah. But this poll, again, like other polls, shows the NDP is leading in every part of the province yeah. except for the north, of which the, where the piece is. Now, what about the merger idea? Because this has been put on the table. Well, what you got to do, you got to do a merger, BC Conservatives, BC United. You could call them the United Conservatives. Perfect name. Yeah, well, who blinks first? Well, that's the thing. They I can't see. I don't to... see John Rustad uh, uh, bowing to Kevin Falcon after. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on them. But, you know, before, the business community used to hold way more cards than it holds now. It used to withhold funding if it could. Uh, it put pressure on Bill Bennett to rebuild the coalition in the 70s. It put pressure on Gordon Campbell to rebuild the coalition in the 90s. Uh, they don't have that ability anymore because they can't contribute money. There's no more corporate don- donations. Before, they could wave a $50,000 check and say, if you want this, you're going to do this. Yeah. That can't happen anymore. Yeah. That leverage is Even gone. though there is some indication that they're trying to do that. You know, Rustad told me that he had he had been approached by some big business interests and said, look, why don't you guys do a merger well, here? we got to get rid of the NDP. It's one thing to say, why don't you do this? Another thing to say, if you do this, I'll give you $100,000. Yeah, right. So that's out the window. Yeah, That yeah. leverage is gone. Okay, we're watching this closely. Let's talk about decriminalization. One year ago today, yeah. decrim kicks in. We're the only province in Canada that has done this. Let's listen to Lisa LaPointe here, the chief coroner. She was asked the other day, "Has uh, is decriminalization, has it been a success in year one? Here's what she had to say. I don't have any, I haven't seen any data. I think it's going to be very hard to measure the impact, positive or negative, of decriminalization. And I think that's where it's really important that we gather data. Okay, we were promised data at the start of this. We were promised there was going to be yeah, robust not, evaluation. Never, it's never been explained what sort of data we're going to get. What, what is the measuring stick? The one measuring stick we get is deaths which is hardly conclusive. There was an increase in deaths, but before decriminalization, almost 12,000 people died under the old recrim or criminalization. So that system didn't work. Now decrim, the deaths have actually gone up under decrim, but is that the only measuring stick? And no one's explained what what, what is the data. Well, one suggested data set could have been if a police officer saw someone using drugs and the drugs are decriminalized now, they're not going to arrest that person. They're not going to give that person a ticket. They're not going to take away their drugs. But would that police officer give them a card saying this is where you can get help and that you would track those cards? Well, How many of these cards I've, have been given I've, out? I've Did anyone get help? Now, that was suggested and it was ruled out. We're not yeah. going to measure that. Exactly. So that's one yeah. suggested bit of data is gone. So it's not okay, there. They're, they're not, not doing it. Not sure what the measuring stick 
is if it's uniform across the province. There doesn't seem to be any evidence of any data collection. There was there was one out. there was one study that was referenced that there was indicate there was a study that indicated that people who went on uh, a safer supply of drugs yes. um, were less likely to overdose in the following week. Yes, uh, that which that's been disputed. Limited, too. limited study. That's been been about it. Yeah, and so it's uh, it's kind of frustrating because the old system clearly didn't work. People yeah. were dying at record levels. Um, today, Portland just announced a state of emergency for fentanyl. Yeah, uh, in where they've had decrim and they went before us and they're decrim. rolling they're rolling it back. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Lapointe's point, and I think it's very valid. The key problem is this poisonous fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. Is no one seems to have a handle on that, and recrim or criminalization didn't work. Decriminalization doesn't seem to be having the impact. So I'm not sure where this yeah. is going to go. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's finish up with the uh, Metro Vancouver bus strike. And could it be back on? Could it well, expand? Well, you heard Emily Lazarden's report there uh, the, at the news break. Uh, so the unions in front of the Labor Relations Board today looking to expand. Where did they, they want to pick at SkyTrain? SkyTrain's right? the main. They want to shut down SkyTrain. Yeah, that's the main trigger point. Now, it's one thing to request the LRB. It's another thing for the LRB to rule. I, I've covered the LRB for years. I'd be surprised if they allow uh, picketing. Maybe they allow limited picketing, but um, all it takes is shut down one one station, as we all see. And any time there's a medical emergency or something, it just has a domino effect. People have to get out and get on buses and go to the next stop. So I'd be surprised if the LRB rules that way. But if they do rule that way, and keep in mind, Vince Reddy's still on the job. He's going to report out on Friday uh, with recommendations that may be made public, which may put some pressure on one or both sides, uh, depending on what, what he comes up with. But the stage is set for 12.01 a.m. on Saturday morning is what the union has said. They're prepared to resume picketing. And if they get to the ability to pick at SkyTrain, that's going to have a huge impact. Yeah, I also think this is a kind of a bank shot by the union here to try and pick at SkyTrain. I don't think the LRB will allow it. I hope they don't. Um, because this is a strike by 180 mm-hmm. bus supervisors. These guys don't work for no. SkyTrain, no. but they want to picket SkyTrain. And their argument is, well, the employer is encouraging people, if the buses are shut down, go take SkyTrain. So therefore, the employer is using SkyTrain to sort of get around the strike. So we should be allowed to picket yeah. them. That's the argument. Again, I'd be surprised you know? the LRB swallows that one. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, we'll see. As you say, I think bank shot's a good description. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work, but we'll see. Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Alex in Vancouver. Hi, Alex. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, um, uh, liberals changed their name to BC uh, Nice or whatever. It's like a bad haircut. Anyways, I used to be a big supporter of the Liberal Party until Gordon Campbell came in, and I was a big. I used to be a big supporter until Mike Harcourt came in, NDP. And for the first time in a long time, I'm really kind of excited about the upcoming election. Because for the first time ever, I'm going to try a conservative. Well, okay, thank you for the call. That's music to John Rustad's ears. Sure, sure. You know, he likes to hear calls like that. But again, the polls seem to indicate there's a bit of momentum with BC Conservatives. As I say, they're a huge rally in the Peace River area yeah. this week. Um, but they, the, it's not translating to support in Metro Vancouver. Yeah, right. And this is where the, the ridings are. Yeah. So. Uh, if you can't win Metro Vancouver, you're yeah. not going to form government in this province. No, you might form a rump opposition, yep. right? And right now that's where BC United and BC Conservatives are. Now, headed. you have said, as you put it earlier, Falcon has described this rise of the BC Conservative Party as basically a mirage, mm-hmm. right? It's not real. Don't believe it. This will evaporate before the election as people figure it out. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to happen. Well, you know, so they're going to launch this ad campaign. I have no idea. I mean said before, if you're not advertising on the Global News Hour, 
CKNW and Vancouver Canucks games, you're not really advertising because that's where all the eyeballs are. Yeah. Uh, but they dwarf everything else. If you're just putting ads in small town newspapers and uh, TV stations, other than well, news are we again? The numbers are so vastly large. Well, I know, I know they are rolling out some ads on CKNW. I've, well, heard, I've heard that. That's smart of them yeah. to do that. But again, it takes more than that, and you need saturation advertising. It's not just one and done. Yeah, you need to hammer home the idea over and over and over again. Yeah. Rebranding is not a one week exercise, right. and it has right. to go on a long time. Ron in New West. Hi, Ron. Go ahead. Yeah, hello, Mike and Keith. Um, yeah, it's, I'm uh, definitely going to be voting and supporting the uh, BC Conservatives next election. Uh, I'm in uh, New Westminster. It's, it's been an NDP town for uh, many years, if it's ever been anything else. And uh, I'm just getting tired of it. All of our municipal, um, you know, councils, school boards, whatever, are controlled or influenced by the NDP. And I just think it's time for change. I'm not even sure who my candidate will be uh, for the Conservatives in New West if they. But I hope they can get a you know a nice brand name person who's you know a reasonable person, uh, but I think it's time for a shakeup, and mm. uh, I can't go okay. for BC United. I'm not interested in them. But let's get the conservatives in there and let's change things around a bit. We don't like them. We can always vote them out again. Ron, thank you for the call. Let's go to another call here. Deb in Victoria. Hi, Deb. Go ahead. Oh, hi, Mike. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, you know what? I am a conservative person. I took a membership out for John Rustad. Uh, I, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see Eleanor Serco move over to the Conservatives because I love mm. her common sense. Uh, you know, this, uh, this, you know, decriminalization of drugs is crazy. Also, too, one other point I want to make, this whole thing between the Indigenous and um, this land, uh, Crown land thing yes, with yes. the government. So, so the Indigenous get to, uh, you know, do whatever they want with the land. But what happens when, with the government saying that they have, a, you know, a clean B.C.? So the government is in charge of the air, the indigenous are in charge of their ground, and if they want to develop mining, forestry, um, LNG, you look at what happened over okay. in Penticton where they stopped the uh, the uh, um, LNG mm-hmm. pipeline. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, so I, I see huge yeah. conflict. Th- thank, thank, thank you, Deb. Well, it, you know, the under this wasn't tied to indigenous issues, right? And it's not, and the government's not saying in, in First Nations be allowed to do whatever they want. It, the, the government's been bending over backwards here the last 48 hours to try and put out this fire on this land use uh, changes yeah, they here. they haven't handled this very well. So no. again, with the passage... But there of, are a lot of legitimate unanswered questions well, here about how this Coast, is going to work. There's a real controversy on Sunshine Coast for dock owners. Yes, we discussed that earlier. Caught in the crosshairs here. Yeah. Uh, public lands is usually recreational properties is, yeah. is most effective. And the government's kind of dropped the ball by not explaining themselves, not being transparent. Yeah. And they've got a lot of questions to Agreed. Ask. Kevin and Kamloops. Hi, Kevin. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, I think it's kind of ridiculous that people are so focused on these old words. What's a conservative? Uh, the, the MLAs that are there, one guy runs under another party and jumps over to that. John Rustad has been around for a long, long time and has not distinguished himself as a leader at all. And uh, those guys will not be able to perform uh, if they're elected, We've okay. Thank, okay. Really thank you. We have 30, 30 seconds left. Go ahead. Here's well, I mean, that's. I mean, it's interesting. 
three calls, all voting conservative, which yes. is hardly a scientific survey, but nevertheless. Uh, That's going to be a hard num- a name to overcome, though, conservative, though. It's getting right? some traction with people. Like yeah. I say, it's never it, it's been around forever, but they haven't had any traction with voters, and maybe for the first time in decades they will. 